I'm wrapping up this prayer series tonight, and I want to talk about praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. We've covered a lot of ground in this series. Hopefully it's helped you. Uh, understanding God is your father and you're his child and you can just come to him with your needs and you don't have to be so self-conscious and feel so guilty like you're not praying good enough you're you're if you're doing it you're doing great okay and it's not really about getting better at prayer but enjoying the Lord through prayer that's the goal Um, when you talk to the Lord you grow in intimacy to him and and man it will have a great effect in your life but sometimes we do kind of struggle we don't always know what to pray for and sometimes we try to pray for all the things we can think of and after like five minutes we run out of things to ask for to talk to God about Um, so I want to talk about praying in the spirit good news God doesn't just hear your prayers but he helps you pray did you know that God helps you pray? In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Common question. Well, here's how I would define it. Praying in the spirit is praying in partnership with the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of confusion on this and Some people sometimes wonder about Holy Spirit and how he works and the way he does things and they can get kind of confused and even kind of weirded out by the Holy Spirit. Um, And the supernatural can be kind of unfamiliar, but I'd say that that's okay. It's okay that there are aspects of God that are beyond your comprehension. Uh, Because if you could understand everything about God perfectly, that would be a bad sign. That would be a warning sign, a red flag that maybe you're worshiping a God of man-made creation. The fact that he is beyond our full capacity to understand proves that he is the creator, we're the creation. So when there's mystery around the Lord and the ways that he works, uh, don't be afraid of that. Don't feel the need to, to perfectly categorize and qualify and organize every little aspect of God and how he works. You type A animals, you want an owner's manual, you want an engineering chart, you want a spreadsheet, but that's not the way it works. God is supernatural. And we need his supernatural power to come in and strengthen us in our natural weakness. Amen? So I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit. And I preached a whole series on the Holy Spirit two years ago. If you were here um, then, you heard it. If you weren't here then, you can go to the app, look up the series under Essential Listening. It says Holy Spirit. Uh, The QR code will take you there if you want to scan it with your phone. But that's a whole series about who he is and what he does and the gifts of the Spirit. I don't have time to do all that today, but I'm going to give you a little bit of overview. First, the Holy Spirit is your best friend. Friends do let you down. They come and go. They stab you in the back. If you've been there, you know it's painful. And so it's good to know that the Holy Spirit will always have your back and never let you down. In John 14, Jesus said this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're a Christian, no, Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so I want you to pay attention to this. The Holy Spirit is how Jesus comes to his church. This is how we interact with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, 
Okay, now there's been a lot of times I've thought about this, like, man, it would be so cool to hang out with Jesus. Amen? Aren't you looking forward to getting to hang out with Jesus in heaven? Even if there's like billions of people there, we have all eternity. You know, even if I only get five minutes at a time, eventually I'll get a lot of time with Jesus. It's going to be awesome. But if I could right now, I would love to eat a steak with Jesus. (laughs) What was it like when you walked on water? You know, it'd be so fun. And yet we know that it's better for us that the Holy Spirit is here. It's better for us. And I would say it this way, the Holy Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Now, maybe you're like, well, I don't know. I would rather, I would rather hang out with Jesus. Okay, well, here's what Jesus says in John 16, verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, I will send him to you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit now, he is here, and he has a multiplying effect on the church of Jesus Christ. It is better for us that Jesus went away and that the Holy Spirit came. I didn't make that up. That's what Jesus said. So think about this, right? When Jesus was on the earth, he had 12 close disciples and about 120 disciples in his group that followed him around. And, you know, the 12 disciples, they got a lot of face time. You know, Peter, James, and John, they got the most face time. You know, I guess if you were one of the 120 disciples, maybe you, you got a little bit of time with Jesus, although you were probably a little jealous and feeling left out, sitting over at the campfire, you know, like, I wish I was by Jesus right now, all right? And like, but, but he was only with his guys. He was with his guys primarily. And so we had these 120 disciples. But after he resurrected and he ascended back into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and there was a multiplying effect. In one day, the church grew from 120 people to 3,000 people people. And now we don't have to wait our turn to talk to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here inside each and every one of us who believe in Jesus. And we get to communicate with God through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait your turn. He's always with you. He never leaves you. And he equips you to live this new life. Now I said this a minute ago, that God doesn't just hear your prayers, but he helps you pray. I love this. So I want to talk about this, how the Holy Spirit helps you pray. Okay, remember I said this, it's praying in the Spirit is praying in partnership with the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you uh, five aspects of this. First, he teaches us and he reminds us of truth. So this starts with you reading the Bible. Remember that the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God and God speaks to us through His Word. And, and when you read the Bible, you've probably had many, uh, moments where you're, you're reading it and you're like, mm, I don't really understand this. Anybody ever read the Bible and not understand it? Okay, so now you know you're not alone. There's a lot of other people in here who are honest and uh, some people who haven't read the verse about not lying yet. Uh, But we've all read the Bible and been like, "Mm, I don't know what that means. And that's okay. You keep reading. You keep reading. And, And what he does is slowly the Holy Spirit, he reveals to you. He illuminates your mind little by little. And and the more you read, the more you understand. He doesn't just download all knowledge into your brain in one moment. That sounds like it would be cool, but we probably couldn't handle it. God didn't design us to learn that way. Just like back in the school days, you know, your teacher had a lesson plan and it built on itself and it built and it built. Uh, You couldn't learn everything all at once. And it's the same with the things of God. You learn a little bit and and you'll read things you don't understand, but you keep reading and, and over time you'll understand more and then you'll start to see connections like, oh man, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they like, 
they go together. There's like all these connections and layers, and, and I thought it was cool before, but now I'm like, it's really cool. And, you know, I'll just be honest with you. The more you read the Bible, uh, you'll understand more, but you'll never stop seeing new things when you read the Bible. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. So uh, do this. When you read the Bible, start out by asking the Holy Spirit to help you to understand it. Like, Holy Spirit, help me to understand this. I'm praying that you would help me. And then just keep reading. If you keep reading, he'll keep teaching. In John 14, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Okay, so that's great. And he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so he did that for the 12 disciples. He, he helped them remember what Jesus said so they could write down Scripture accurately under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he does this for you when you read Scripture verses the Holy Spirit will bring those scriptures back to your mind in your moment of need. So it's kind of like for the guys, I know we got a lot of gun lovers in the church. Uh, when you read scripture, it's kind of like you're loading up ammo in that magazine. You're, lo you're loading up ammo for future battle. And for, for the ladies, um, for like my wife, she really likes an organized pantry, fully stocked and organized. And so for the ladies, you know, reading, reading scripture, it's like stocking up your shelves stocking up your shelves for the future famine, right? And then in your moment of need, at just the right moment, boom, the Holy Spirit will pull this scripture verse out that you read 15 years ago and bring it to your memory, right? right? Some, some girl will walk by and, and as a guy, you'll be like, what? And the Holy Spirit will be like, run from sexual sin, fool. Or somebody will cut you off in traffic and you'll go to, to cuss them out and the Holy Spirit will remind you, if you want to receive mercy, you've got to give mercy. Like, oh gosh, fine. Or maybe you'll be like really stressed out or anxious. I remember one time I was getting an MRI and I was in this like tight tube. If you've ever gotten an MRI, it's, it's not fun. And I was feeling anxious and claustrophobic. And all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit was like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Oh, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. yeah. You need to memorize Psalm 23. It's clutch. But listen, the Holy Spirit won't remind you of Bible verses you've never read. So you need to do your job so he can do his job. Read the Bible. He'll bring it back to your memory at just the right time, and it'll be a huge blessing to you. And when you read Scripture, you're arming yourself with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6, 18. Here's the next thing. He prays for you. He prays for you. Some of you, you know, you thought like me, I don't think I pray enough. Well, none of us do. None of us pray enough. But you always have someone praying on your behalf. God. 
In Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So this is awesome. The Holy Spirit is constantly praying for you. You don't know what to pray for sometimes. You'll be like, man, I don't even know what to do about this situation. And the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you is communicating with God on a level too deep for words even. He's praying for you in perfect accordance with the will of God, which is, it's hard for us to do that. Because we are selfish, and we do have a sinful nature, and so sometimes our selfishness will get in the way of our, our prayers, and, and we'll pray for things that aren't really according to God's will. That's why we have to pray, like, God, if it's your will, this is what I'm asking for. But the Holy Spirit doesn't have to worry about that. He's never prayed a sinful prayer, right? The Holy Spirit has never asked the Father to do something and heard no in response, the Holy Spirit has never prayed for you and had a prayer left unanswered. So just think about this. As you're going about your daily life, right, you'll have one of those stressful moments. And, and then a lot of you who are Christians, you've had this experience where you're stressed and you're dealing with something difficult. And all of a sudden, you just feel God's peace in your heart. Do you, do you ever think about the fact that maybe the Holy Spirit just prayed for you to have peace? Sometimes you don't know what to say, but you can just say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to even pray for right now. Can you help me? And he will. And then it says in Romans 8.34 that Christ Jesus, now we're talking about Jesus, who died for us and was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Okay, so wait a second. Now you got the Holy Spirit praying for you, and uh, Jesus hears his prayers, and, and he's praying for you to the Father. And the Father is receiving these prayers on your behalf, and, and he's answering whatever, whatever Jesus wants, you know. It's like, okay, Jesus, you know. And, and so then Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit to help you, and he bless you, and, and strengthen you. And, and so here you are, you're serving God. You love God. Sometimes you, you, you remember to pray to God, but the whole time you walk with the Lord, he is not just guiding you, but he is praying for you the whole time, interceding for you, praying on your behalf. See, God is even better than you realized. God is praying for you. So next time you, you send out that, that you know, text like, hey, friends, please pray for me. I'm going through a hard time. You know God's already praying for you. So you've got someone who's a friend already watching your back. And, and on that note, we're talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. A lot of you have asked over the years, well, which one should I pray to? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost? Which one? Because I don't want to offend one of them by leaving them out. Should I cover my bases and maybe like spread out my prayers? Uh, the answer is yes. Yes, you, you can't go wrong. Right, because they're three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are God. They're God. And so if you talk to one, they're all hearing your prayers. They all know what you need. Uh, sometimes you'll even feel like, man, you say Father, Jesus, or Spirit, and, and you can't go wrong. If you're trying, you're succeeding. Okay, and so then here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit helps you to pray. He leads you. He leads you, um, and this is great. As you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. 
Here's an example of this in Acts 19. It says, afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia. So he felt compelled. Compelled, that means to feel the desire, to feel forced, or to feel driven towards something. Have you ever felt like God just kind of pulled you towards something? Almost like, man, I just kind of feel like I, I have to do this. I first felt this when I went into the military. I remember just kind of had this sense, like, I think God is leading me into the military. And I didn't understand why, but I felt that very clearly. That was the first time in my life I ever felt that. And then later, later I felt that about marrying my wife, Amy. I was like, I feel like God wants me to marry my, my wife, or to marry Amy. She'll, she'll be my wife. And she was also, you know, gorgeous, but also I was like, God, God wants me to marry her. And, uh, and then when I was called into ministry, I felt that, you know, it's like I'm, getting, I'm being driven towards this. Do you remember the first time that you were driven by God this way? It's when you were saved. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's because the Holy Spirit compelled you. He, he nudged you. He pulled you. He drove you, put the desire in you to accept Jesus, which is so cool. That means that even the, the aspect of us like accepting Jesus, we still give God glory and praise even for that for putting that desire inside of us. And maybe you'll have this experience when you're praying about, you know, where to work or who to marry or where to move, where to live. And I think it's so cool that we can pray and ask God to to guide us and he will do that. He'll lead you. Here's the next thing. He speaks to you. So this is another aspect of him leading you. Sometimes it's more of just like an impression and sometimes it's him speaking to us. He'll actually kind of communicate. And so I, I would say this, um, if, if he's not really like impressing clear words on your heart, be careful about saying God told me. When, when you feel God's compelling you or leading you in a way, it's good to be more humble about it and say, you know, like I could be wrong, but I feel like God is leading me. I could be mistaken, but it feels like the Lord is just is impressing this on me. Um, and so I would say it that way because that way, you know, if, if I'm making a mistake in my own human weakness, I'm allowing room for that, that possibility. And then, and then there are times when it's like, God spoke to me. God spoke to me, and I want to talk about that. Um, he sometimes doesn't just compel you, but he actually tells you. Like in Acts 8.29, it says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside that carriage. It's actually in quotes. Like, he said this, go over and walk along beside that carriage. Like, so sometimes the Holy Spirit actually speaks to you. And think about how big of a, a benefit that is, that, that the Holy Spirit of God could actually give you guidance, could actually communicate words to you, and whether it's a business decision or, or a big life decision or you know, wisdom on how to, to parent your kids or handle money or, or whatever, but the Holy Spirit can actually speak to you. And now I want to help you with this. Here's a common area of confusion around this. Sometimes when you feel like God might be speaking to you, you'll have the doubt or the question, okay, yeah, cool, I believe God speaks, but how do I know I'm not just hearing my own thoughts, right? How do I know these aren't just my own thoughts? Um, it sounds like my thoughts. Okay, so what do you do with that? I want to try to explain this hopefully clearly and simply. Okay, first, you have a mind. You have a brain. Amen? Your brain, it thinks thoughts. That's, that's its job. 
thinks thoughts. And then you are a spirit. Did you know that? You are a spirit and you have a body. You have a body, you have a brain, but you are a spirit. Your spirit, that's, that's your truest identity. That's the part of you that will live forever. And your spirit is the part of you that connects with God. Okay? Because God is spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit. I know I'm trying to break this real simple. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Since he's a spirit and you're a spirit, when he communicates with you, it makes sense that it's happening on a spiritual level. His spirit is communicating with your spirit, and then your brain is interpreting what your spirit is receiving. And so your brain thinks, translating the communication you receive through your spirit from the Holy Spirit. And that's why it sounds like your thoughts, because you translated that message through your brain. It's pretty cool. Right? And so that's very normal if you're like, hey, sometimes it feels like it's just my own thoughts. Well, that's okay. It's really cool to think about that, that before Jesus Christ, your spirit was dead. Dead as a doorknob. Like, dead. And there's a lot of people who, in this world, they'll say things like, well, I'm not really religious, but I'm very spiritual. It's like, well, you're spiritually dead. So... You can play all your games with your crystals and your manifesting into the universe and your false religions, but you're just playing dead people games in graveyards. But then when you accepted Jesus, he raised your spirit to life for the first time in your life. And now you get to communicate with the Holy Spirit and he actually speaks to you. So let me help you further. When you hear, let's say you, you get a message from the Holy Spirit, if you're wise, you would, you would ask this question and, and you would be concerned like, well, I want to make sure it's not just my thoughts before I make a big decision. So what should I do? How do I, how do I discern my thoughts from the Holy Spirit's message? There, there are a series of checks and balances that I would recommend that you go through when you feel like God is speaking to you or guiding you in general. First, what does the Bible say? You feel like God is speaking to you? The number one litmus test is what does the Bible say? Because the Holy Spirit already spoke to you through the Bible, through the Word of God. And he is not going to contradict himself today. Sometimes he'll speak to you about something that's not in the Bible. Like if you should buy a house or something. You know, that's not in, that's not in the Bible, like the book of houses or the, the book of marriage advice. It's not always in the Bible. But, but first what you want to do is you want to make sure whatever you're hearing does not contradict anything in the Bible. You have to know the Bible that helps generally. Okay, step two, what do other Christians think? Other Christians who are wise and love you and they love God and maybe, maybe some friends, maybe life group leaders or, or pastors or family members who love you and you know they love Jesus, what do they say? Because they all have the Holy Spirit too if they're Christians and you should only be getting important advice from Christians. So you would say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I feel like God's leading me. I feel like God's speaking to me. What do you think about that? And you're just trying to get like checks and balances, like references, right? Like, so if they're all like, no, that's crazy, bro. Then you know, like red flag, maybe go back to square one. But if they're all like, yeah, I think, I think that sounds good. Then, then you kind of go forward. Then I think you want to pay attention to your feelings. Your feelings actually do matter 
in this, because uh, I think when the Holy Spirit guides you and leads you, he'll actually put desire in your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what do you want? What are you drawn towards? Do you actually want, do you feel peace about going in this direction? Do you feel a longing to do it? Do you feel like you have to do it? Or are you just appalled by it and, and stressed out by it and worried constantly? And I hear, I hear it this way, like, I'm waiting for God to give me peace about this decision. Now, that doesn't mean you'll always want to do what God tells you to do. Ask Jonah, right? And then lastly, you're like, okay, check, 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 check. Ask God for confirmation. If he told you once, he can tell you again. He can tell you a third time because he wants you to do his will. So when you ask him like, Lord, I want to do your will, can you just make it really clear? Can you just confirm for me that this is what you want me to do? He is good. He will do it for you. It might happen when you're reading a Bible verse and you'll be like, whoa, that's, that's about the thing that I've been praying about. That's like kind of like a confirmation or somebody will walk up to you at church and say, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. And you'll be like, whoa, whoa, how, whoa. How did you know? And, and that could be just like God confirming what he told you. And then you know, like he's actually leading me. It's so cool. Okay, and then here's the last thing. When you pray in the spirit, he builds you up in prayer. He builds you up. In Jude 1.20, it says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. Okay, so some of you might have a false view of the Holy Spirit. And you think of him like Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. Let your conscience be your guide. And he's like the holy hall monitor always calling you out and giving you tickets for doing the wrong thing. And that's not who he is. In John 16, it says, and when he comes, this is Jesus talking, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Okay, so first, the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin. And you stopped believing the lie that, like, I'm basically a good person. And you realized, I'm a sinner. And I need God to save me. That was the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. And then once you actually repented and accepted Jesus, uh, you were made righteous in Christ Jesus. Do you know this? That when you accepted Jesus, all of the righteousness of Jesus was credited to your account. You were robed in the righteousness of Jesus so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sins or imperfections. He only sees the righteousness of Jesus. So when you as a child of God say, God, I'm such a sinner, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And so as you live your life, you're going to struggle with guilt and you're going to struggle with shame because of sin. All of us have those moments where we're like, I just feel ashamed. I can't believe I made that mistake. I can't believe I did that or said that. I, I know better than that. And the enemy will come along. The devil will come along and condemn you yeah. and say, you're such a failure. You're a loser. You'll never be good enough. God must be so disappointed in you. But the Holy Spirit is there to convict you. No, that's not who you are. You are righteous in Christ Jesus. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. That's who you are. So he's constantly convincing you of that. That's what convicting means, convincing. And then he's also convincing you of the coming judgment. The coming judgment day is coming. And first and foremost, that means that all evil will be punished. All evildoers will be judged. That's actually very comforting. When we live in a broken world with a lot of injustice, abuse, and abusers sometimes don't get justice. 
racism. Sometimes those people don't, you know, come to justice. Crime and stealing and slander and all. And sometimes there's not real justice. But there will come a day. God will judge all evil and he will punish all who do evil. And when you're the one who's been victimized, that gives you comfort knowing I don't have to take vengeance into my own hands because God will give justice. And then you, as a child of God, judgment day is coming for you too. But it's not going to be a day of punishment. It's going to be a day where the Lord puts you on the podium and gives you your reward for faithfulness. So for you, judgment day is gonna be a great day. You're not going to the principal's office. You're going to get your prize. And he's going to reward you for serving faithfully. He's going to reward you for telling people about Jesus. He's going to reward you for what you gave. He's going to reward you for doing what's right. He's going to reward you for loving others and helping the poor and taking care of those who are in need. He's just going to reward you and, and, and thank you and honor you because of all that you did for Jesus' glory. And so you get to think about that as you live for the Lord when it gets hard. Like, oh yeah, my reward is coming. I can keep going. I don't have to be distracted by, by all that's wrong with the world. The Holy Spirit's there just convincing us constantly who we are. And he's building us up this way. In Romans 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So he's not your constant critic. He's your constant companion. He's your counselor, your lawyer, your teacher, your protector, your advisor. He is always with you, encouraging you and telling you how proud God is of you. So if you feel shame, that did not come from the Holy Spirit. That came from the devil. The Holy Spirit's there going, nah, that's not true. That's not who you are. I remember in my life, I shared this story at men's night. But when I was in Iraq, I had this experience where I was really just kind of broken and ashamed and just really at rock bottom. And I had this experience where I was by myself. I just started reading in John chapter 1 about Jesus, and I repented. And in that moment, the Lord just filled me with the Holy Spirit again. And I felt this overwhelming sense of just God's love wash over me and, like, warmth. And it was the first time I felt like I ever actually sense God speaking to me because it was so out of left field and different than what I was feeling. And he said, I'm pleased with you. That's the way the Holy Spirit talks to us. You're my son. You're my daughter whom I love, with, with whom I am well pleased. That's the way God talks to us. And when you pray in the Spirit, you just get a stronger sense of God's love and his approval and his acceptance and his plan for your life, that it's good and you can trust him. So you pray in the Spirit. Now, on one hand, I think all prayer could be pray, praying in the Spirit because any prayer is in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian and you've prayed, you've prayed in the Spirit. But because we're talking about prayer, there's another aspect of praying in the Spirit I want to hit on, which is praying in tongues, which is a gift of the Spirit. I did a whole sermon on praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. You can find that on the app as well. And it has a lot more detail. I cover a lot more of like the objections and the, the concern or bad teaching about it in that sermon. But I'm going to just hit on it briefly. Another way the Holy Spirit builds us up in prayer, in prayer is by the gift of being able to pray in tongues. Or to speak in tongues. Okay, so it says this in 1 Corinthians 14. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So why would you want to do it? Some people are like, oh, it seems kind of weird. Well, because it strengthens you personally. 
And that sounds pretty good, if you ask me. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I want all the help I can get. And so I, I want to put one little caveat on this. I've met some Pentecostal people who just understand this incorrectly. They think when, whenever they read praying in the Spirit, it means praying in tongues. And that's not accurate. So you've already heard praying in the Spirit is one thing. Praying in tongues is another part of praying in the Spirit. And I know that because in Ephesians 6.18, it commands us, pray in the Spirit at all times. And also in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul says, I wish you could all speak in tongues. And so not everybody does speak in tongues. And so the Bible wouldn't command you to do something that you can't do. So praying in the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean praying in tongues. Uh, it's more than praying in tongues. But praying in tongues is always praying in the Spirit. That makes sense? And the Apostle Paul does say, man, I, I wish you could all do this. I wish you would do this. And when he says that, uh, I'm going to talk about what that means in just a moment. In Acts chapter 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And just so you know, the word tongues means languages, languages. Now, let me just pause right here because some of you might be freaking out right now. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I thought this was a non-denominational church. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, it is, but it depends on what you mean. Because some people, they say non-denominational, and really what they mean is non-controversial. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those churches where you're not going to say anything that steps on my toes ever. Or you're not going to talk about any controversial subject. I, no, it's not. I am very controversial. I'm all about that controversy, <laughs> right? So non-denominational, if by that you mean anyone can come to church here and we're not going to argue over secondary issues, we can disagree on secondary issues like this, like what I'm talking about right now, you can disagree about this. Uh, we're we're going to agree about the essential issues like Jesus is God and the Bible is God's word and the only way to be saved is by faith and God's grace. Like you have to agree with me on that, yeah. okay, or else this is not going to be a good fit for you. <laughs> But other issues, there's room for different interpretations and stuff like that, although I feel pretty confident about this. Um, some people ha will come up to me after a sermon like this, and they'll be like, Pastor Ryan, is this church Pentecostal? <laughs> They're always, like, embarrassed to ask that they just pee their pants or something. Like, is this Pentecostal? Like, well, and again, I would say Pentecostal, like, it depends. It depends what you mean by that. Like, if, if you mean people dancing in the aisles with flags and rolling around on the floor and women who wear too much makeup or no makeup and people blowing horns in the middle of service and acting crazy, then no, <laughs> we're not. But if by Pentecostal you mean, hey, we read what happened in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit was poured out on his people to equip them and empower them for ministry, that God's still doing that today and giving us the gifts of the Spirit, that they're for us today and that the Lord wants to give us the power to live for Jesus, then yeah, we're, we're that, like for sure. Like I, I want to be that. Okay, so you got to get clear on the definitions. And I want to make another thing clear when we're talking about this. Um, every Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. Okay, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 2, you got to remember, before this, in John chapter 20, Jesus appeared to the disciples post-resurrection. 
And it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so you know they received the Holy Spirit already. But then he told them, wait, because I'm going to give you more. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And then the same Christians were filled again in Acts chapter 4. They were filled with the Spirit, and God gave them boldness. So we all, we, we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe, and then we, at different times in our life, we should constantly be asking God for more of the Holy Spirit. He will fill us in a special way, and he'll fill us again, and he'll fill us again. And if you're like, well, I don't really need to be filled. I got all the Holy Spirit I need. If you don't feel the need for more of the Holy Spirit, then you probably need to do more for the Holy Spirit. Because it's when you actually try to live for Christ that you recognize your own weakness and inadequacy. That's when I realize, oh, I need all the help I can get. Now, I'm talking about prayer, and so I'm hitting on praying in tongues. So let me point this out, because I don't really care about different denominational traditions. I care about what the Bible says. There are seven times in the book of Acts where people are either filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit, or it says the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them or came upon them. Um, So all kind of signifying the same thing. Four times we know they spoke in tongues, um, including the first and last occurrence, which were 25 years apart. And then three times we don't know one way or the other. So that tells you at least that it's totally normal and, and even if you're skeptical, you'd have to admit, biblically, it's at least more normal than not. But it's not necessary to have this experience to be a Christian. And praying in tongues doesn't make you like a varsity Christian and everyone else is JV Christian. That's not how it works. It's just one of the gifts of the Spirit. But it is a benefit that a lot of people don't take advantage of because it weirds them out. Some people emphasize it too much and other people ignore it completely. So we don't want to make either of those mistakes. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, let love be your highest goal, which is important to point this out because I've met some Pentecostals who are like the meanest people in the world. And I'm like, I don't know what Holy Spirit you got, but I don't think it's the Holy Spirit, right? (laughs) But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit. But it will be mysterious. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So it's a, it's a benefit. It's a good thing. But the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So like right now, this is in many ways a word of prophecy. And it strengthens the whole church. It builds up your faith, right? It encourages you to pursue the Holy Spirit. So here's what he says. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. And in Greek, this word, I wish you could, all, that's translated from Greek. The same phrase is used when Paul says, I wish you all were single like me. But he knows, like, we're not all going to be single or else we wouldn't even be here right now, right? Like, and he also says, I wish you would not feel anxiety, but, but sometimes we do still worry. So he's saying, like, I wish you would. I wish you could. It would be good if you did. But I know sometimes you won't. I know not all of you will. But that, but that helps you realize, like, it's a good thing. So we should all want the good things of God. And I hope you notice this. People will often ask, you know, like, 
Well, it, it doesn't really sound like anything. I heard someone praying in tongues, or maybe you had, had this experience, and you're like, I didn't really know what I was saying. Like, what, what does it mean? Like, it doesn't sound like English. It doesn't sound like Espanol. This doesn't sound like German or French. Like, so what is, like, so remember it said it's mysterious and you're talking to God. So God understands, um, even when, when you don't understand. And there's another aspect of this where in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So what, what's he talking about there? Well, what we can figure is that in, in some way, heaven has its, its own language. What do they speak in heaven? I don't know. It's probably not English. What, a, what, what do angels speak? Like, what, la- what language do angels speak? All of them? I don't know. Like, do they have their own language? Like, all we know is there are thousands and thousands of languages that have existed on earth, and thousands of them have already gone extinct and are no, no longer spoken. So, so language is so wide. There's so many possibilities if you're like, man, it sounds like gibberish, well, it could be just a heavenly language. Um, and if you don't understand it, I have a theory. This is Pastor Ryan's theory. But my theory is, you know, we know God understands it. I don't understand it. You know who else I don't think understands it is the devil. Because, you know, when I was in the army, we had this thing called security for communication. We had code we used so that the enemy couldn't hear and understand what we were communicating. And if we're smart enough to do that in our military, I don't know about you. I think God's probably smart enough to have some security on communications as well. It's just, it's just a theory. I think it's cool to think about, right? Like if I'm praying in English, hypothetically, we, you know, we know we're, we're in a spiritual battle. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Um, the enemy could hear my, my prayers in English. But man, I, I think when I pray in tongues, my, that's my theory. I think they don't understand what we're, we're praying. So then here's what he says. Um, he says in verse 15, what then shall we do? We will pray in the spirit. I will pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I will also sing in words I understand. So what this tells you is he could control it. He could speak in tongues when he wanted to and he could speak in Greek or Hebrew when he wanted to. He would speak in a language he understands. He'd speak with his spirit to God directly in a language he doesn't understand. And so that means if God gives you the ability to speak in tongues, here's how I've seen it usually happen. Usually, when the Lord fills you with the Spirit, um, what I'll see is the first time, it'll kind of just like erupt up from within you. And it'll be like, whoa, what was that? I've seen this happen to so many people. And then after that, the person will control it you just, when you want to. It's like something you just do. And like a lot of things, you, you probably get more comfortable with it and better at it. And more, it's more natural the more you do it. Like, I'm a better preacher now than I was five years ago. Okay, so it's the same way. You're not going to be walking in Albertsons and get taken up in like a Holy Spirit seizure and start giving a message in tongues over the loudspeaker, you know. You don't need to be scared. Like all the gifts of the Spirit, we control it. We control it. Um, And then I want to point this out in verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Here's the same thing in verse 39. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, but do not forbid speaking in tongues. And everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So the same kind of concept. Speaking in tongues is good, but in a church service, there needs to be order. And so people will ask me about this. Well, 
especially if they come from Pentecostal backgrounds. Like, hey, how come we don't have like messages in tongues during church? And I'm like, well, we do in certain settings, but like on Sunday, that's not the right setting for that. Because you notice how pretty much every week people are getting saved here. There's always unbelievers here. There's always people who aren't educated about these things here. And if we're all just like praying in tongues and like, they'll, they'll be freaked out. The Bible actually says that they'll think you're crazy. And so actually out of love for them and consideration for them, we, we, we show restraint. Okay? And it also makes you a lot more comfortable inviting your friends. Let's be honest. And then if you're, if you're in a setting where you know everyone there is like familiar with this and educated, you, know, you could, you could it'd be appropriate to, to exercise that. But that doesn't mean you can never pray in tongues in church. You just would do it in a more personal way. So like sometimes during worship, like I'll be up here singing and I might kind of like pray in tongues while I'm singing. But I'm not trying to do it out loud and like draw attention to myself. But, but I'm praying to God. Why? Because it builds me up and I need all the help I can get before I preach to you all. Right? <laughs> So I would encourage you to take advantage of this, and it starts with just opening yourself up to what the Holy Spirit has for you. And it's okay if you have questions about the things of the Spirit, or you're concerned, or you have doubts. That's totally normal. That's, that's okay. The only thing I would caution you about is don't let yourself become hard-hearted towards the things of the Spirit. And there are certain denominations or backgrounds or groups that they're very skeptical of the Holy Spirit. They tend to make fun of the things of God. They'll mock the Holy Spirit and the things of the Spirit. And that's, that's a dangerous thing to do. That's actually been happening ever since the beginning. In Acts 2, they said, man, these guys have had too much wine. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit was poured out, people mocked them and made fun and said, maybe they're drunk. They made fun of the Holy Spirit. And the things of the Spirit. So you don't want to make that mistake. Um, I know that sometimes the way the Holy Spirit works, it can be weird or unfamiliar to us. But the right way to approach it would be just to say, okay, I'm going to humble myself. I don't need to perfectly understand everything about God and how he works. I just need to trust him, that he's good. And his gifts are good. And, And we know that the Holy Spirit filling us up, the whole purpose of that is not so that we can speak in tongues. That's just one of the gifts. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit's power is to equip us for ministry, to preach the good news. That's the result of the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people were added to their number that day because the Holy Spirit was poured out. So I know we have lost family members and friends co-workers, neighbors who need Jesus, and it's hard to bring them the good news sometimes. It's awkward. Just living your life on a regular basis, it can be really difficult to do what's right, to do what God's called you to do. You need power to live for God, especially if you want to be bold in a broken world. And so we need the Holy Spirit. Do you want the Holy Spirit? That's a question I want to ask you. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? And I think what I would recommend is this, is I just think every single one of us should have this posture where we say, God, if there is more, I want it. If there's more, I want it. I want whatever you have for me. I need all the help I can get. And when you're, when you're open and when you're desperate for God and when, when you call out to him, he is faithful to come through. And I'm closing with this. Uh, some different groups, they will really, man, they'll really put down 
the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit, they'll mock it. They'll say it's fake. They'll say it's even demonic. They'll say it's foolishness or it's anti-intellectualism or whatever. So I want to show you two verses in closing. In Luke 10, here's what Jesus says. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Look at this. And you can walk among snakes. You see that? And scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Okay, so I wanted you to see this. The enemy is associated with snakes and scorpions. You see that association? The enemy snakes and scorpions we get that we live in arizona you get a scorpion in your house you're like burn it down we're moving the devil's you know I, I, so it's very easy for us to understand snakes and scorpions the enemy got it next chapter luke 11 which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead and if he asks for an egg we'll give him a scorpion if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when you ask your Father for more of the Holy Spirit, he's not going to leave you hanging, and he's not going to give you a counterfeit spirit. He's not going to give you a demonic spirit. He's not going to give you a spirit of foolishness. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit because he's a good Father, and he gives good gifts to his children. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're just going to take this opportunity to ask God for more. And if you want that, I'm going to lead you in this moment. Don't worry, I'm not going to try to make you speak in tongues. I couldn't even if I wanted to. And that would be really weird. But if you do want more of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're open to that and you just say, God, if there's more, I want it. Just pray with me right now. And if you want to raise your hands, just in a posture of receiving, just pray with me. Just say, God, I ask for more of your spirit. Would you fill me up? I want every good gift that you have for me. And Lord, I thank you for your children. I thank you for your sons and your daughters in this church, Lord. We ask that you would pour your spirit out on us and fill us up. Thank you for every good thing that you've done in this church and through your people. We give you all the credit and all the glory. And Lord, we know you have bigger things in store for us and that we cannot do this by our might or by our power. We need the spirit of the Lord to go before us and make a way. We need the spirit of the Lord to give us the words to speak and the strength to stand. And we know that when we ask, we will receive because you're a good father. So we receive your spirit by faith. We ask that you would pour it out on us. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree with that, say amen.